Happy Friday! Hello, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm David. And we're going to continue on talking about our favorite murder mystery board games. We've been talking a lot about Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot and uh, the detective side of things, but one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and there's a very easy game that we haven't discussed for this reason because we're now bringing it up, is one of the f- most famous killers of all time. Yeah, because sometimes you don't, you're not playing as the person trying to catch him, you're playing as them. And that yeah. is, of course, Jack the Ripper. One of the most famous names in the dark history of murder in the human race, uh, I think. And uh, there have been many, many games, comparatively, uh, that have actually been made with Jack as a character in them that you either get to play or are at least hunting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nice, easy one, which um, is very accessible to anybody, really, is Mr. Jack. And its variants is Mr. Jack Pocket. There's also one that's based on the Phantom of the Opera. This is something that's kind of spawned a few similar games. But mm-hmm. let's just talk about the original uh, for today. Uh, and that is just called Mr. Jack. Yeah, so Mr. Jack, you are playing either as Jack the Ripper, which I don't think they ever actually say. No, is it like a license? Is it like a licensing issue as well? Uh, um, it's probably keeping the game a little bit lighter than mm-hmm. it could be otherwise. That's fair. So you are either playing as um, Mr. Jack or you're playing as Scotland Yard. Mm-hmm. And if you are Scotland Yard, your goal is to catch Jack in the next eight turns. And if you're playing as Jack, your role is to either survive or get out of the little borough of London that you are um, stuck in. Mm-hmm. And the way that gameplay works is that you've got eight different characters that are all on the board and you take turns, both of you playing them in a sort of like specific but randomly decided order. And the idea is that one of them is secretly Jack and that's mm-hmm. the player, that's the, that's the character that he's trying to get off the board. And if you're Scotland Yard, then you're trying to sort of position them where you can gain information about them whether or not they are or are not guilty and it's great i love it i love it so it's, much it's a really smart game and it introduces a lot of asymmetry because mm-hmm. every character in the game can simply walk around london or they have an ability so there's the guy who can run through the sewers there's mm-hmm. the guy who somehow teleports because he just swaps places with someone else on the board which makes a little less sense um there's also like watson is a character in this Yet again, Sherlock Holmes in this, but no Poirot. But Watson would be shining his lantern, and anyone that's in his line of sight is visible. To Sherlock Holmes is also in this, I think. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, as is Inspector Lestrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, one of the entertaining things with this game, of course, is that you can also have that slightly daft scenario of Sherlock Holmes or Inspector Lestrade turning out to be mm-hmm. Mr. Jack, because that character is randomly determined by the Jack character by taking a card at the beginning of the game. But this is great, and it also spawned the Mr. Jack Pocket variant I mentioned earlier is also a very good iteration of this, and I think mm-hmm. we each prefer the one that we're talking about right now. Um, I find that I am in the minority in liking regular Mr. Jack better. Um, a lot of the complaints I've heard about it is that it's a little bit fiddly and unnecessarily complicated, but I, I kind of like that about it. For, I don't know, the way that it's sort of like set up and the way that the fiddliness is, I think works very well for me, and like the kind of information that I get and store very easily it's very like Mm. visual and it's very like easily on display i agree and i I must admit i do find the same thing i think i just don't get mr jack to the table as often as i do Mm. mr jack pocket mr jack pocket is the same premise you have eight things that you can do and uh in both of these games you will do four of them each turn and each person gets to do two 
Mm. Uh, and it's in a, I do one, then you do two, then I do one, and then we swap. Uh, in Mr. Jack Pocket, rather than moving characters around a board, you've actually got a, 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 a set of nine tiles. And you can manipulate those tiles, rotating them and swapping them in places, but you also move the detectives around the outside. And it's based on how they can see through the roadways versus seeing into a wall, which mm. they obviously can't see past, uh, determines who they are capable of seeing. And in both games, uh, if somebody is, at the end of each turn, if Mr. Jack is uh, visible or invisible uh, to the detectives at that point in time, that the Mr. Jack player announces that fact, and everybody who is the opposite gets flipped over, and the, you know that they're innocent. So if my Mr. Jack is visible, you know that anyone who is currently not visible to the police is guaranteed innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the mechanism that this game uses. And it's nice and simple. Um, one of those things that is very, very slightly easier to understand when you actually see it in front of you. Like most um, things, so right? Apologies mm-hmm. if that description is a little oblique, but, it but does, it's great. It's, it's, it's very easy to get into, and you, you can teach this game to somebody in less than five minutes, mm-hmm. either version of it. Um, Mr. Jack Pocket has the benefit of also having a very good app implementation, mm. uh, which I've I haven't played. actually played the app. It's good. It's really, really well done. Um, so I'll yeah, that's, that's worth it. looking up if you're interested in trying one of these quickly without necessarily having a, a board game store or cafe near you. A step up in complexity, but still Jack the Ripper-esque, is um, Letters from Whitechapel, oh, which is a um, heavily rethemed and heavily enhanced version of um, Scotland Yard, which is one of those sort of like old classic Absolutely. games. And you could put Scotland Yard on this list, except for the fact that it's never confirmed what the crime is that Mr. Mm-hmm. X has committed in that game. So it could just be a robbery, it could be something else, it could be a murder, in which case it could have a place. But Letters from Whitechapel, it replays the murders of Jack the Ripper. So you are categorically placing tokens on the board saying the Jack character just committed a murder at this space on the board. Mm. And it's a it's a one versus many. So mm-hmm. one player is Jack the Ripper, sort of like invisibly traveling across the board, um, murdering people, as Jack the Ripper does. Uh, and the other players are trying to find them. Yeah. And it's, it's all about getting home. Uh, that's what's so interesting about this, is you're never going to catch him in the act. Because mm. at the beginning of each round of the game... The murder has just been committed, mm. and Jack is running home. And the police win if they can ever find the exact space he is on. Because this is in this game also, uh, we should say that the Jack the Ripper piece is never on the board. Yeah, uh, he's moving around in secret, writing his route on a map. And if the police ever happen to find the square he is on and arrest him, they win. Or if they can stop him getting home in time and daylight mm-hmm. breaks, the police also win. But if he gets home, you move on to the next round. And if he successfully gets home four nights in a row, he wins the game. Mm-hmm. But this is... It's one of those games, the, the map is just complicated enough that it's really hard to track him down. But mm-hmm. not so complicated that it's impossible. Yeah, it strikes a really, really nice balance. The last game of this mm-hmm. I played, I was playing as the police, which was actually the first time I'd done that. And I arrested on a particular space on the very final turn of the game. And hey. Jack was one move away from his hideout hey. on the final turn of the final round, and I got him. Good for and you. it was just such a great feeling, because I, I had... I actually thought his hideout was two spaces away from where it was, huh. but I'd narrowed it down to this mm-hmm. this street. It was on that street somewhere, and I managed to nail it, and it was the most satisfying thing. <laughs> it's a very, very satisfying game. It is. Um, for me, also, it's one of the only sort of like murder mystery games that we've talked about so far, and of the ones that I think we're going to continue talking about after this, that like really feels sad. There's something about it that, for me, is very... It's, it's much more 
visceral and a little bit more like brutal feeling yeah and it's not and it's strange because it's not like the content is more or less visceral like they don't have like you know little write-ups about like descriptions of how he murdered some girls or whatever they but, do have a little of that in the rule book mm-hmm. but it's not oh, in compulsory the book, to the game like it's even, not the, the game board itself doesn't have that but there's something about like the uh the red tokens that you put on spaces when you wake up in the morning and you find that another young woman is murdered that yeah is it's you feel it I feel it. I no, know. I think I think you're right. And they actually call you have these white pawns that move around the uh, board at the beginning before uh, Jack decides. So there's there's five turns at the beginning of the game where uh, Jack can decide to wait mm-hmm. uh, and commit the murder. And the longer he waits, uh, the less time he has to get home. But the more spread out the police might become because mm-hmm. they're moving around aimlessly, waiting for information. Mm-hmm. And there's these white pawns that are moving around. And I think the game actually calls them innocents. And there's something about moving these innocents around, knowing you're about to swap them for one of these red tokens that mm-hmm. says like a murder just took place here. That's actually really dark, mm-hmm. um, and it is. This is a game that you can embrace the theme as heavily or as not as you like, but there is just a little bit of it that is always going to be a little bit sadder. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's the right word than uh, anything else that's on this list. Yeah. Another um, Jack the Ripper game that I actually haven't played yet, but that I might be able to bust out next week is a um, a standalone expansion to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Ooh. which we've talked about endlessly, so like I don't think we need to get into it too much. But it's... It, it, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is, for me, the perfect murder mystery solving investigation deduction game. I still need to play this, like the physical copy of this properly, because I've still only played it on the computer and I don't think it's the same. It's not. There's there's something about it that feels so much like you are solving a real life crime. You have papers strewn on your table, you're taking notes, you have booklets open, you have directories, you have maps. Um, some of the cases involve code, so there's someone feverishly trying to break code in a corner, someone's pacing around with their head in their hands. Um, <laughs> It sounds the, almost like a, a, you're verging on an escape room game. A little bit, yeah. Um, but very, very quickly, Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective is a sort of like choose your own adventure murder mystery game. You've got a map of London, you've got a London directory, and you've got a little case book. And page one is a write up about, you know, something happened, this person got murdered, this place got robbed, although I can't think of any case where there wasn't at one point a dead body that showed up. <laughs> um, spoilers, kind of, maybe, I don't know. I may also be misremembering. And you try to solve the crime by visiting different places. So you mm-hmm. tell yourself, okay, well, like, maybe let's go visit the victim's wife. You found her name in the directory, and you f- go to that page in the booklet, and then you talk to his wife. And then whatever information she gives you, she's given you. And then at the end of the game, which is whenever you want it to be, you can just be like, I think that we've got enough information now. You go and you answer a series of questions, and then you see how well you scored compared to Sherlock Holmes. Okay, I'm guessing Sherlock has a tendency to be very good at oh, this. Oh, always. <laughs> the idea is that, you know, Sherlock Holmes has so much important stuff to do this afternoon. You, you little street urchins, should go have fun and solve this crime for me, because <laughs> I have too much stuff to do. And then by the end of the booklet, it's like, you come home and you're like, you're like, boss, like, I did it! And he's like, oh yeah, you know, my uh, my, my 3pm appointment cleared up, so I went for a little 45-minute stroll, and uh, I solved it too! And, you know, he always solves it in like four locations like he went to like the bank and the wife and the workplace and the theater and he solves it and then you're sitting there with your list of like 15 locations <laughs> four hours of gameplay later now you've played every case in this right have you ever beaten him no <laughs> <laughs> have i you don't got close 
No. Oh, dear. So perfect score is 100. Right. Um, you start with... So Holmes gets 100 points. Okay. Um, you score points for all the questions you answer. Some questions are worth um, 20, 10, and then 5, depending mm-hmm. on how relevant and, or important they are. And then I, if I remember correctly, the total for all the questions added up is 100 points. Right. And then you take a look at the locations you went to. Um, and if you go to any more than Sherlock has gone, you deduct five points. Right. So if Sherlock went to five places, but you went to seven, you lose 10 points from whatever you scored for answering the questions properly. So to, I don't think beating Sherlock is possible. No, it sounds like you match him. You match him. Um, I think the most, I think we've hit, we hit like 80 points once. Right. And we were so happy. That sounds we so happy. like a very hard thing to do, actually, so yeah. I can understand that. I think when yeah. I did the, the first case on the computer, I think I scored 15. Our first case, we scored um, 12. Yeah. But to prepare ourselves, we watched a um, Shut Up and Sit Down video about it. And the I can't remember who it was, but he, he was like, I loved it, and I did so badly. I think that if you play your first game and you don't score in the negatives, that's a win. Fair enough. <laughs> so that was sort of like our baseline. We're like, well, like... We didn't go into negative points. Like, I think he had done, like, minus 40 or something. Right. Anyways, so the um, most recent edition of Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective that came out last year um, comes with a standalone expansion that's Jack the Ripper themed. And it comes in the second box. um, But I think you might be able to buy it by itself. And it's four cases... They're consecutive, so the all of the information stacks from case one to case four. You know, you have an independent map, you have an independent directory, you have an independent right. series of newspapers. Because something else that Sherlock Holmes has is a news, like a London Times of that day, with like articles so that cool. may or may not be useful and are sometimes really, really, really not useful at yeah. all. And it explicitly tells you that you're not going to be solving the mystery in the first, second, or third case. Um, that you may solve it at the end of the fourth one with all of the information oh, stacking. Oh, that's interesting. So I it's not you don't lose, but you maybe gain enough information to win later. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so I haven't actually played this one um, because it's been a total nightmare getting my group together to crack it's it open. It's a hard thing to do, especially because I just want to like show up at 11 a.m. and just blast through all four of them in one day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I but, get that. But uh, that's very difficult to organize. It is, yeah. Much to my it's, surprise. Um, oh, I still haven't... I, I think mm. I'm going to end up playing this solitaire, but I really mm. need to give it a go. But I'm, I'm curious to see how the... Um, if the sort of, like, the sadness of the theme that we talked about mm. in Whitechapel will carry over, because, yeah, like, that sort of idea of, like, real people that are kind of, like, they're getting murdered, you know, like, either represented by pawns or otherwise. And I think that, um, for me, as a young woman playing a game focused on some guy murdering young women sure. might be close to home but we'll see i'll report back I look maybe it'll suck, I must admit, I probably think not it's it sounds like it's weird it always sounds almost like you're doing a time stories type thing mm-hmm. where you keep going back to win later except yeah. instead of doing the same thing over and over again it's something else every you're time. leading mm-hmm. on and i really i think that's an interesting concept because it's i feel like there's nothing that's quite done that yeah. Because anything that has a campaign sense, you've always got the you've won or you've won or lost this scenario, and now you're moving mm. on. Whereas this sounds like you, there's no real win or lose because you are going to quote lose yep. the first three because someone is going to keep dying every time. the The way that regular Sherlock Holmes consultant detective is um is sort of like you know displayed is that every case has a name on the case book. You know, mm. like the case of the you know the diamonds sure. or like the murder at the theater. <laughs> um, but this one, the case names are just uh, 
the names of his victims. Oh. So book one is the name of this victim. Book two is the name of this victim. That's going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing your report on that because I think yeah. that's a form of storytelling in gaming that we haven't actually quite seen yet. Yeah, that's sort of like um very. It, it sounds like it's something that'll be really going deep into what was like a real life yeah crime and like a real life sort of moment of tragedy. Absolutely. You know, like a man going around murdering all of these women. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that will do it for this week, and uh, we will be back again next week. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk with you, David. Well, and likewise, thank you. And Jonathan will be here next week. He will. Uh, And next week we're going to be discussing games that fired other games. Uh, By which we mean uh, a game has come along that does something another game does better in every way, and therefore, do we need that other game anymore? Uh, So we'll be back to talk about that next week. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com if you've got anything you want to share, anything you want to chat about, stuff you wish we would talk about. The Snakescast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. And all of the opinions expressed in the Snakescast are ours and don't belong to anybody else. Indeed. See you next week. Bye.